Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Jeff Fisher is a guy that went from one of the most respected men in football, and there was no doubt about it. When he was a head coach there at Tennessee, and he had those teams, Eddie George and McNair, and they were just nasty, and the defense was good, and Fisher was that hot topic, or that hot coaching name, rather, out there when he was available to total buffoon. app doesn't know what he's doing. Every quarterback dies underneath him. He's on hard knocks. He's cutting guys for having women in their room as if they were 13-year-olds again. Do you feel that way about him? I now think that he is a total – he's done. His career is over. He's, he cannot coach in the NFL wow. anymore. That's the way I feel about him. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you look at some of these quarterbacks that he had and and what they're doing without him. And that's a huge deal. Case Keenum in, uh, in golf. And Nick Foles, too. I mean, Nick Foles – I'm not, uh, come on, but, I'm not ready to say that about Foles, but I get your point. But Foles, if you look at Foles pre-Jeff Fisher and how he played, and then with Jeff Fisher, and this this will see how it goes this time around, yep. but you already have the evidence there. I mean, Foles, before he got hurt, was a really productive player years ago with the Eagles, and then he's with Fisher, and he's a mess. So I, I would not I would not hire the guy, and he's out there, and he's campaigning. He wants to coach again, and he's not going to go the coordinator route and he wants to be a head coach again. So when do you think it went from him being a good coach to a bad coach? Oh, I think that when it was the the big one I think was when the Rams moved from St. Louis to LA and they retained him as the coach. Because at that point it had just been mediocre year after mediocre year. You thought that they would get a fresh start out in LA and they kept him and the reasons that you heard that mm-hmm. he was retained was they just wanted continuity through the move yep. and then it was like why are they keeping this guy he stinks and then they put him on hard knocks and then he doesn't really represent himself all that well I, on hard knocks. I gotta be honest with you I think one of the things about that hard knock show is that we get like a better glimpse of these guys. We make up our minds about them. And I think typically that show, the public uh, reaction to it is usually wrong. So I'll make it. I'll, I'll make another example. Tampa. Everybody watched that show and loved them this year. Right. I mean, it, like it, it was a advertisement for the team. Here's this young team that is going to make a big leap this year. You pick up any magazine that came out preseason or you look at anything that was written about the Buccaneers, it was glowing before the year started. Um, so I I think Fisher came off as a boob on that show. Me, personally, if you ask me just a very basic generic question, is he a good coach or a bad coach, I would still say good coach. Uh, why? What, is he, what has he done in recent memory outside of... Well, when wh- wh- where do we start the... Where do we start his? What what games count and what games don't? So when he's so when he's in Tennessee, right? Okay, so how how many seasons back do we go into the? We look at his last five years. We look at his last ten years. We look at his whole. He's a winning coach. 
Right, because he had amazing years with Tennessee. I always looked at him up until that disastrous season in L.A. as a guy that got more out of less. I always looked at him that way. I never thought of him as a guy. He took Vince Young and he made that team competitive. That's not an easy thing to do. Right, okay, they were and they were really good, I think, at one point, weren't they? Yeah, they went to a Super Bowl and lost to St. Louis. Well, that, I'm talking about the Vince Young team. I think that that team was actually was much better than people remember. All right, so let's go back. He was... Uh, In 08, they go to Kerry Collins. I think they won like 12 or 13 yeah, games. Yeah, that was the season I'm okay. talking about. It was, they were 13-3 and three with Kerry Collins. That's the one. All right, so... Did I ever tell you the story about that team? About no. that Titans team? I don't think so. So I'm in Las Vegas. It's week five of the NFL season. I was working in Buffalo. The Bills were on a bye. I went out there. The Titans were on a bye, too. They were undefeated. I'm at Tau, which is a prominent club there. The DJ comes on the loudspeaker and goes, Everybody, put your hands together for the Tennessee Titans. And I look around. Hainsworth is there, and Kerry Collins is there. Jeez. Collins, there. Two guys with not great reputations. That's the story. (laughs) That's it? Yeah, that's really it. I don't. I, 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 as far as Tennessee Titans story goes, I think that's a pretty good one. That wasn't a. That wasn't a. I could have swore that you're doing shots no, with him. You're smoking. I don't think Kerry Collins can do it. I don't think he's. Well, because he, he's a. He's clean. He's now. reformed. But you, you, you go and you smoke weed with Albert no, Hainsworth, I'm, something like that. No, I don't have that. Nothing. You I don't see, have that. You see Hainsworth no, beat up a guy. No, I was just in a. Just at a random place in the middle of a football season, and Tennessee Titans were there. That's the story. Wow. <laughs> Have you ever been somewhere with a bunch of Tennessee Titans? No, no. no but I mean, if I was, I don't think I, I'd be I think, stopping conversations no, I, 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 to interject the well, story. Well, it looked like you were searching up Jeff Fisher's resume. I wanted to give you a couple. <laughs> I bought you some time. I mean, it's high-speed internet. It would have been fine, you know? So you don't think Fisher's a good coach? There's no way on earth you'd hire him. For any no. job, you're a cop. No. No. no, and then also, I mean, are we, are we putting too much stock in what McVay is doing this year? Because if you want to look at it that way, too— when it's the worst possible look for a guy is when a new person comes in and then yeah, right. completely turns that franchise around with the same people. Todd Gurley was a mess last year. And I know a lot of this has to do with offensive line, whatever. Yeah, that was the problem. But, the year before, he was the best running back or one of the best running backs in the league. Right, but still, he would. He, Jared Goff did not look like a competent quarterback. Like these, like, and does does McVay get too much credit? For that stuff, and you think about mediocrity. I mean, after that thirteen and three season we talked about, he, he hasn't had a winning season since. Since, right? I know. So, I mean, what of all the wouldn't you rather take a chance on a coordinator? You, I'll give you one right now. You ready? If you, I, I'm, I think I know your answer based on what you've already said about Jeff Fisher. But let's say you have to you have to hire a retread coach, and your two options are Marvin Lewis and Jeff Fisher. Who would you hire? Oh, oh I mean, that's just not fair. To put me in that spot. I just did. It's de- uh, I'd fire Jeff Fisher before I hired I'm, Marvin Lewis. So would I, but I mean, that doesn't mean I want to hire Jeff Fisher. I'm not looking at either one of those guys. I, and, and Marvin Lewis is totally shot. <laughs> to- I mean, he should have walked away a long time ago. I can't blame him for keeping that job, making millions, whatever. He doesn't care what's going on. He just doesn't. He does not care. There's no way that a man who... Looks like him. Sounds he looks like, like a him. guy that needs melatonin or something. Does he not look like a guy that hasn't gotten a good night's sleep in thirteen years? He's just exhausted. He's bloated. Said dumb stuff. I mean, just brutal. I can't. So 
you think that Fisher is an absolute punchline in a league where guys get all kinds of second and third chances, you think he's run out of opportunities? Yes, and he should, and I think that's right. And 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 the hard knock stuff, you know, I, I hate the phrase perception is reality because it's not always. But when you have a moment on television mm-hmm. that resonates like that, you know, I'm not going to take any more of this seven and nine bull crap. And, and then, then they, you go out there and then you and you're seven. And, well, you're four and nine, and you end up getting fired. Did you think that was a good football team last year? I didn't. I no, did not think that. Right? No, but he should have been fired the year before. With six and ten, seven and nine, they go out to L.A. He shouldn't have been the coach then. No, but I, I, again, I'll say it. Are we going to put on him the transgressions and mistakes of the people that were running that team? If you looked at, you want to go back to 2015, the Cardinals were a great team. The Seahawks were a great team. What were they going to do in that division, honestly? Did you look at the Rams and say they've got more talent than seven or eight wins? I didn't. I thought last year for him in Los Angeles was going to be a freebie. Team moves. You've got experience moving a team before. Get what you can out of this team. I think it ended up in Los Angeles where perception means a lot. I think the the thing with Eric Dickerson, the fact that they were embarrassingly bad, if if they had moved from St. Louis to like, I don't know, some Midwestern city or you know, someplace where there's not like a not only do you have to win, but you have to be entertaining and there has to be like a glamour glitz factor to it, I think he would have probably gotten a longer leash. I yeah. think the fact that he that he what they did this year I thought made perfect sense. They brought in a defensive coordinator in Wade Phillips that could get the most out of the great talent they had on the defensive side of the and ball. And it really has it. They've actually gotten worse defensively. Yeah, that's a good point. Which is crazy. They're not good defense. They played really well against the Seahawks, but that game was out of control. But they have not played You're right, but their their advances have been on the offensive yeah. side of the ball. Right. Well they made the right call. I mean, think about it. Firing Fisher was I the di- right call. I don't dis- I don't disagree with that. I'm just not ready to say a guy with a winning coach, a winning record who coached as long as he did should never get another chance. Not as a head coach right now. Hey, you're telling me that he turns around a uh, an offense or a DV's a defensive guy. You think he's a better coach than John Fox? I th- I look at them exactly the same. The old, older <laughs> coaches who had success in a different era of NFL football that are tired. So who are the guys, in your opinion, that have success now? The, if you were a, if you were an owner and you had an opening, what kind of type of coach would you look for? I mean, it's, e- it's easy to to go right back to McVay. I mean, the the young guy who is forward thinking yep. that has relationships with quarterbacks. That's exactly the type. And speaking of John Fox, that's the type of guy that they have to hire if that other if there's another McVay out there for Trubisky because he sucks right now and he, they don't let him do a damn thing. He's hampered and they <laughs> you, they, they traded everything to go up to the number two pick for. Well, so they got to find another McVay to be their coach. I know. I think with him this year though, a lot of that's out of necessity because like every, every single one of their wide receivers got injured. Right. I mean, they've got no skill position players. It's kind of like Wentz's rookie year, where he had nobody to throw the ball to, I, and I don't think but, Trubisky's as good as Wentz. I'm not, I'm not trying to make that direct comparison. See, I don't. To me, you can get a lot of if you're competent at that position, you can get a lot of out of no name players. Right. I mean, even think about like Blake Bortles this past Sunday. Yeah, like one guy th- slept in his car. Yes. How about what, that? By the Mickens, way, that is right? Was his name Jaden Mickens? Catches two touchdown passes. Brian Bohannon scored two touchdowns. 
for them in that game. But too. they've got Keelan Cole had almost 200 yards receiving in that game. They lost Marquise Lee. Yep. D.D. Westbrook. It was on a milk carton, and all those guys contributed. Well, right. And what's his, and um, the wide receiver at Robinson's been out the whole year there. And Fournette didn't play in that game. Yeah. I like Ivory, but I, I get your point. Ivory was terrible. He went out of that game with injury. He hey, left the game. Over, you're all over the Jags. Well, you know anything about? That. I played. I played D.D. Westbrook and Chris Ivory in fantasy that day. I watched a lot of that game. So, okay, let me ask you this question, right? Yeah. So if you're the if you're saying to me right now it's all about you know find the next Sean McVay all these teams that are going to hire new coaches in the offseason like the Bears they need to find a guy like this where are you on Gruden Gruden there's one job for Gruden Tampa yeah that's it that's the only place that John Gruden could potentially have success. Uh, see to me that's Joe Gibbs 2.0 written all over. No, it. I don't think so. I think he's I think he's in tune with the game. I think he constantly watches film. I think Joe Gibbs left, he does racing, he's <laughs> old. You know, I mean that he he didn't wasn't paying attention to football and he went back and tried to do the same stuff he had success with. Gruden's watching games every week. He's breaking down games. He's talking to quarterbacks. He's watching routes being run. He knows he's an offensive guy. He knows what's going on. Uh, and I think that that would be the place for him. I still would be wary about it, but that would be the place for him. And he's so passionate about it. I mean, I'm not saying Gibbs wasn't, but I mean, it's just so far removed. He, he was never around football in that hiatus. So I, I don't think it's Joe Gibbs at all. Well, here's this is the ultimate Fisher barometer for Go you. Go ahead, I'm ready. You're a Giants fan. Right. There's an opening there. Right. You hear that Jeff Fisher is high on their list. How do you feel about it? Uh, I would have no problem with it, to be oh, honest with you. I wouldn't. Yes, you would. No, I would not. You are, why not? I would not. Jeff Fisher, not. the head coach of the New York Giants? I would not have a problem with it. And you think, all right, Jeff Fisher, the quarterback killer, a guy who has not had a good quarterback, well, the Kerry Collins season, fine. But it's hey, been, One of his quarterbacks was an MVP, Greg. All right, that's a long time ago now. It happened. But it did happen, but it was a long time ago. We're talking about guys who, they leave Jeff Fisher, they turn into Pro Bowl you know, players. I, but, but I hate to just interrupt you for a second, but this Case Keenum stuff is total baloney. What do you mean? Uh, Have like, you watched him? Yes. He's been great. Let me tell you something. There's no way you would pay him big money this offseason. You know I'm right about that. Well, that's a different story. Paying him well, big right, money. But this and idea being... that now, like, you know, Jeff Fisher's not the only guy that couldn't get something out of... Case Keenum, right? I mean, di- didn't uh, Kubiak have him in Houston, too? He won a Super Bowl. I mean, it's not like, you know, he was this great. He was a seventh-round pick. He's been great, though. Yeah, he is. He has run their offense again. It's a really good situation for a guy that is going to make minimal mistakes. They're not asking him. It's, it's like a Dak Prescott Listen, from a year ago situation. It's, it's also, it's not just Keenum. It's the combination of Keenum and Goff that you might have two former Jeff Fisher quarterbacks in an NFC championship game with both of those guys having unbelievable seasons. That's the problem. So you're going to take that guy who these two quarterbacks have Well, what? Now if, if Brissett and Garoppolo are in a playoff game, Belichick's an idiot? I mean, okay, I get it. Some well, of these but, co- but, look, but look at the history of that. Is it, Most of those guys that leave that organization turn into nothing, coaches right. and players. So that's never happened. If you give Jeff Fisher Sam Darnold and that defense comes back next year and the wide receivers are healthy and they find a competent running back later in the draft, you don't think he could win with that team? I absolutely think he could. No. I think he's one of those guys. He's too stubborn. He's not forward thinking. Who's going to be the offensive well, what's coordinator? What's backwards thinking about him? It's like, well, but look at the offense. I mean, they, all they did last year was hand the ball to Todd Gurley, and he just ran into a brick wall every single well, down. What were his other options? 
Have a rookie quarterback throw the ball tr- to Tavon Austin 15 times? Well, you get the ball down the field a little bit. To who? I mean, does they it didn't matter? Have Sammy Watkins. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is what I'm saying. It just the wide went back receivers to my, don't matter. I'm, I'm saying that in that situation, if it's a freebie year, like you said, open it up a little bit. You've been known as a mediocre coach, and you go to L.A., and all you're going to do is hand the ball off to Todd Gurley when you See, don't have don't an offensive that, line? I don't think it's fair to call him a mediocre coach. Over his last several years in recent memory, and you know things change in the NFL. I mean, that's what he is now. He wasn't at one point. The game has changed. Coaches you think that, the game has passed him by is what you're telling without me. Without a doubt, there's certain guys that are like that. Same thing with Fox. There's just guys like that don't work in today's NFL. If they're willing to change, then fine. And also, he can't relate with players. I disagree. I always looked at him as like a Pete Carroll type, to be honest with you. L.A. guy, USC guy. People that have played for him say he's one of the best player coaches. You can, I, mean, I know the women in the hotel room might fly in the face of that. but <laughs> I mean, I just... You are just you got so ticked off at him watching that show. Well, yeah, I'm just sick he can't of that come stuff. back for that from that. No, and it's also the record. It's not like this guy was you know 11 and five. I mean, when you're when you're not producing winning records and you're a wet blanket and it's in my face like it was on Hard Knocks. And also, who wants a coach who's cutting players for having women in their room in training camp? You think that's a player's coach? No, people hate that. You got you got you have to have a different mentality. Sean McVay's not doing that. He's probably bringing. What's up a women. different mentality? You can have all the sex you want during training yes. camp. <laughs> Let these guys do what they want. I'm telling you, <laughs> team sex. Doesn't Adam Levitan say that on the that fantasy football podcast we listen to? It does. He's like all about guys who, <laughs> like Russell Wilson. He wasn't a big Russell Wilson fan until he started having sex. This guy, this fantasy football guy we listen to. And now he's on Team Sex. And now Team Sex, look at the season he's having. It's amazing. Sex. It's, ama- it's amazing. It sells, yeah. You are not. There's no way you'd be happy with Jeff Fisher. What are my other options? You're telling me like one of these nerdy offensive coordinators who's never coached a game in his entire life is going to be my guy I now? I would rather have that than Jeff Fisher. I feel like there's some upside with a nerdy offensive coordinator. Yes. I don't know who the job. That's going to be a fascinating hire, whoever that person is. I cannot, because right now there's not like a, other than Sean Payton and his, his, after the season he's having, now, do you really think that he's going to end up leaving? I don't know what the situation is, but other than Sean Payton, who makes a ton of sense right now as the Giants head coach? Uh, who makes a lot of sense? You know, I hate to go back to this, but I probably would want a guy that's had some coaching experience in the league. Just because of what happened with McAdoo? Yeah. Okay. So you always I'll- go the opposite of the guy that, came before, you know, if somebody really failed miserably like McAdoo, I, I, I would find it hard to believe that they would hire another offensive coordinator with no coaching experience, which would be close-minded. But I, I I think the team, given where they play and the scrutiny that comes with the job, would probably take that approach, don't you think? Yeah, but if that guy makes sense... Like I, Josh McDaniels, right? I mean, he's got head coaching experience. See me, I would not do that. Well, I, would I don't. Not think, do I that. don't think they do that because of his past of being like a little bit of a, I don't know, a brat, if you will. Well, he was. I mean, he got. Didn't he get busted filming people too? Yeah, that was really under the radar. Yeah, he's the only. I think that's the only other team or coach that's gotten busted for the for the Spygate type stuff. Yeah, I don't think the Giants will go that route. I I don't believe that they will. So I mean, that's it. Maybe it is Jeff Fisher. Maybe we'll be sitting here in January with a press conference. 
If Jeff Fisher's the Giants coach and they take Darnold, I think they'll go to the playoffs next year. <laughs> well, they're not doing that now. I I bet you if they and here's if they end up keeping Eli because of fan reaction, that's so not New York Giants, but they might end up doing Ugh. that. <laughs> retool, go retool the offensive I no, line. I, 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 I had no problem with with Smith and Webb playing. By no, the neither, way, neither did I. I I thought it was I I loved it actually. But so you have you retool the offensive line yep. in free agency. You go draft Saquon Barkley, which we talked about in Pittsburgh. Remember that? Yeah. Drafting him. You go draft him. Odell's back. You keep Eli. And then you fix that secondary. You got a Super Bowl team right there with Jeff Fisher. As That's only coach. what? Six or seven moves? They've got no salary Just cap space. Just that easy. Yeah. Just that easy. No, Jeff Fisher cannot be the head coach of the Giants. People you think he'd shave the mustache? Freak. You think he'd go McAdoo and say, I got to go for a new look? I'm going to uh, get rid of the mustache. He's hung so. on to that thing. I hope so. God. That would go. Imagine Giants you're fans saying you want, flip. You're saying you want to, if you have a mustache, you are really just even in your in your facial vibe saying I'm old-fashioned. Yes, right. You just have a mustache. That's, yes. Your mind is in another decade. If he showed up at that interview clean-shaven, okay. Now we're... <laughs> at least we're steps in the right direction. <laughs> Maybe. 855-212-4CBS. Would you hire Jeff Fisher if you were a general manager or owner in the NFL today, 855-212-4227. Keep it right here. This is Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Woman on Instagram that Andrew Filippone, who's in for Brian Jones, follows. No, and, I don't follow. My, oh, she, my, my wife does. The wife follows. Okay, yeah. so. I'm not on Instagram. All right, yeah, that's right. I did know that. So she, uh, Andrew's wife follows this woman. She was once 400 pounds, lost all the weight. And deleted all the pictures of herself on Instagram when she was 400 pounds. What do you think of that, Bogus? Uh, would you I, keep the pictures up? I would. Maybe it's part of your story, man. Maybe one as a reference point. So you'd be like, here's what I lost. But I, I would be nervous about the bounce back as as, <laughs> as Greg mentioned. <laughs> right. So um, And then also, she's got to be single. There's no way. Like, if she had a boyfriend, it'd be one thing. And if someone who's, you know, how people creep on social media. Well, hold on. Yeah. What do you mean she's got to be single? You're saying it's harder for women who once weighed 400 pounds to find men? Well, just the whole story. She lost 400 pounds. She's Apparently, you told me in this picture you saw, she's very confident in who she was. There's a lot of showing a lot of skin. So that, to Were me, you making like a cleavage gesture? Yeah, that's what I, was, that's what I assumed. I mean, what else? Unless, unless she turned around, she had an ass cheek hanging out. I'm assuming <laughs> it had to do with cleavage. So... I'm thinking she's probably single, and then someone who's creeping on her social media uh-huh. goes down, sees this woman's 400 pounds. That's red flags, man. That's alarm bells. That's that's something Wait there. Wait a minute. And so it is. It's alarm bells. It's alarm bells. What is the alarm bell? The alarm bell She is, might go back to that? Yes, that's one of them. That's one bell. Ding. The other one is to get to 400, like to get to be a female. To get to 400 pounds. To be any person to be that. That's Especially a female, but yes. See, I'd rather have the transparency. If I had to find out like a month into the relationship that she at one point weighed 400 pounds, I'd have well, a bigger problem different. with that. Well, that's different. If she she can tell you, and she probably should, I, I don't know, well, she first should date tell bogus? you. I mean, no, that... not first date, but do you, need to, you don't need to know her whole life story in that first date. Uh, that's not the whole life story. That's like the most that's important huge, life yeah, well, <laughs> incident. Right. I just That's think like at I some kids. point, at some point in the relationship when there's trust being built and you think that there's something there, I got to tell you this. Right. 
That's when it would happen. See, I think deleting those, those pictures are like when... False advertising? Not only that, but let's say you have a, a relationship that goes awry. And you delete all the pictures of you with the ex-girlfriend. Well, that's exactly that. that's you don't like that. That's exactly what Pete Pilati, who was divorced, did. And and when you went out to oh, the come bathroom, on, Pete, that when you were out to the bathroom, we talked about this in the break, and I agreed with him. I he, he used the word; it was a cleanse. He said, "Yeah, well, yeah, I had to get rid of that. That was a bad part of my life. Get it rid of it. Get it out now. Pretend it. like it never happened. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I know. I I learned from it. I had that knowledge in my head. But you know what? Everything else, I don't need to see it again. It's a traumatic time in his life. He doesn't go back at Facebook and relive that. You know, it pops up. You know, they do the thing now seven years ago. Right. This happened seven years ago. It's it's, it's Pete with all his clothes on the grass. You know, he doesn't need that. Right? You don't exactly. need that, Pete. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't. Right. Not that you would take a picture of that and post it, but you know what I mean. See, I, I, but I, I think the key to moving on from something is when the pictures are there. And there's no longer an emotional reaction to it. Like, but yeah, that every- was me. But guess what? I'm better now. Okay. But My that's clothes a very, are in the that's closet. That's very tough to achieve. That's a tough thing to achieve, to be totally comfortable with being uh, completely obese at some point in your life and leaving the pictures up there. Most people, when they look at something traumatic that happens to them and they look back at it, it triggers memories that they don't want to have. So you think she would look at a picture like that and want to eat again? No, she'd be thinking, wow, what a dark time in my life. See, I think the exact opposite. I think she would say, look at me now. Okay, great. Look she'd, at the strides I've made. She probably, look at the amazing woman I am today. Right, fine. There's some of that, but there's also the, wow, I can't believe I let this get out of control. And I'm telling you, the dating thing is a part of it. It's, if you're putting your whole self out there, people, girls on Instagram, what they do is they try to create the most wonderful atmosphere that they are the greatest, they're having the most fun, everything they do is spectacular. Yeah. You can't have pictures of yourself 400 pounds on Instagram if you're trying to attract somebody. I'll tell you what she isn't comfortable with, posting pictures of food. Yeah. You see that a lot of times. Uh, I mean, my yeah. wife does that. Right. Like, hey, we're out for this amazing meal. Here's yeah, a picture of like a glass of wine and like a uh, filet or something. Yeah, balsamic glaze. Yeah. Yeah. None of that with this girl. Well, of course. It's a, it's a, it's a sore spot. So anyway. All of this, we're, we're going to have Dr. Nozardin on from my 600-pound life because part of this discussion was the skin that happens when, you're, when you lose all that weight. I say it goes away. You say no. It does not go away without surgery. So Dr. Nozardin, who's got a new show, it's the new season of Skin Tight, is going to join us to talk about exactly that. My 600-pound life skin tight. Yeah. I mean, beautiful. Skin expert. <laughs> is this like a spinoff? Like... Of yeah, it is. Okay. It is. So it's when the people lose the weight and they get the skin surgery. So I mean, you could not find a more perfect person to answer these questions than Doctor Yunan Nozardin from Houston, who is the preeminent gastric bypass and skin surgery surgeon in the country. Hmm. Yep, and he's a celebrity now because of this show, big time celebrity. And he's very so you rich. think because oh. of this show or that show? No, because of that oh, show. Okay. Yeah, that show. So but, you think? He might have like doubled his net worth because. Oh of this yeah, show. without a doubt. I think I think so easily. So we'll get to Bogish and then Doctor Nozardin. So Bogish, what do you got? Uh, I got two college basketball coaches reaching one thousand career wins yesterday, doubling the total on the women's side. Sylvia Hatchell in North Carolina made history in the afternoon against Grambling. Then Gino Ariem and UConn beat Oklahoma eighty-eight sixty-four. We gave everything we had to this. Uh, we try not to leave anything on the table and 
we poured our heart and soul into this. And um, <clears throat> we've gotten more back than we ever deserved. So thank you all very much. Gino oh, wow. addressing the crowd emotional post game on CBS Sports Network. Pat Summit and Tara Vanderveer already in the 1,000-win club. Emma got there the fastest. On the men's side last night, Oklahoma freshman Trey Young, 26 points and 22 assists in a 105-68 thrashing of Northwestern State, those 22 helpers match the D1 record. Third-ranked Arizona State handled Longwood 95-61, and ninth-ranked Xavier held off Marshall 81-77. And Florida Atlantic routed Akron 53 in the Boca Raton Bowl a few hours after <laughs> Lane Kiffin signed a fresh 10-year contract. The Cavaliers used a 24-3 run in the fourth in Milwaukee to erase a 20-point hole then lost to the Bucks 119-116, 27 points, 14 rebounds, and 8 assists from... Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> 39 points. Such a weirdo, man. In defeat for LeBron. The Wizards down the Pelicans 116-106, and the Kings a 101-95 win in Philadelphia. The Sixers have dropped 7 of 8, but that's not their plan, says Ben Simmons. We all want to win. Everyone wants to be here, so it's not one of those things where guys don't want to... You know, win or anything like that. Um, oh, I think we'll pull it together. It's yeah. not one of those things where guys don't want to win. Everybody wants to be here. We don't hate each other, and we're actually trying to win. <laughs> I mean, does that happen? He just said that like it's Apparently. common knowledge. Well, that I, think, I think you got to say that in Philly. What? But they, because they, so much of their recent history is about trying to lose, but not the players. No, I know. I mean, that's always they always say the management tanks, not the players. I, but I wouldn't be surprised if the way that question was worded was was you know. Is this part of the process? You know, oh, like, okay, all right. Yeah, I can understand that. Sure. but That would have been a stupid question that didn't deserve an actual answer, though. Yeah, if you think about But still, it would that answer would make more sense. And this is his first real year of playing, so he's not going to, unless he's Bryce Harper, he's not going to just unload on the reporter. <laughs> There's a guy. I mean, th- those one of those guys I'd love to just punch in the face. Bryce Harper? No, the, the, the Philly fans that wear the Trust the Process oh. t-shirts. Why, though? Don't you? I mean, look what happened if you trusted. I it. know they did, but they've just embraced it so much it just bugs me. Well, finally they got some players though. I don't know. There, there's certain they like hung like a Pepe Sanchez jersey in the rafters <laughs> or something at the draft party. I don't know if you heard about yes, that. Yes, yes, I saw. I saw that. Yes, I did see that draft party. It's crazy. <laughs> Well, yeah. All right. Anyway, go ahead, Bogus. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and NFL high eight players chosen for the Pro Bowl. That and includes, they're still complaining about the guy who didn't go. Right. That includes <laughs> Ryan Shazier. Uh, the Saints and Eagles lead the NFC with six reps. With the playoffs impossible, the Packers put Aaron Rodgers back on injured reserve yesterday. The L.A. Dodgers hit with a $36.2 million luxury tax bill. Fourth straight year, they owe the most. The Yankees must pay just about 16 mil the 15th straight year. That they have a bill. Free agent writer Yu Darvish met with the Astros yesterday. And from the NHL, the Islanders expected to announce today their return to Long Island through a new arena near Belmont Racetrack. Guys? All right, Pogus, thanks. Joining us next, Dr. Nozarden from TLC's My 600-Pound Life and Skin Tight. We will talk to him on the other side. Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It's Dr. Yunan Nozarden of TLC's 
my 600-pound life. You love TLC. Uh, You're obsessed with it. Well, this show I am. It's one of my favorite shows on television. Also, my 600-pound life, Skin Tight. New season starts in February, and a new edition of Dr. Nozarden's book is out as well. Dr. Nozarden, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Good morning to you guys. Good morning to you. Hi, Doc. Hi. Now, uh, Andrew's got a question about... Skin. skin. So this is perfect with the new season of Skin Tight starting in February. What happens to it? To what? To skin? Yeah. F, F, you know, we were talking earlier about when someone has gastro bypass surgery, loses a lot of weight. What happens to the extra skin? Well, we remove the extra skin and make it tight. Now, when you say you remove it, there's a lot of it there, depending on the size of the person. Right? I mean, you cannot live. When you go from 600 pounds to preferably, I don't know, 180, whatever the goal weight is, there's a like the skin doesn't just go away. You have to have surgery to remove it. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. And not only one surgery. We usually do about uh, three uh, operations to get the extra skin off in upper body, in abdomen, and lower body. And it's a very difficult surgery. It's more difficult than the gastric bypass or the gastric sl- uh, sleeve, correct? Well, it is a different. It's um, you know, it's a lengthy operation. Each um, procedure we do take about four to six hours, so we usually do three operations. So they're talking oh, wow. about total of twenty-four hour surgery on somebody. Have great uh, advances been made in this area, Doctor? Have we reached a point now where you know after the you know, four or five, six hour procedure. You look as good as new. Can can you tell that there was a lot of skin there at one time? Oh yeah, okay. you know you can you can tell a drastic changing in the body contour after skin surgery. Because you were nervous about loose skin, Greg. We no, had a yeah, no, of yes, without a doubt. I think that someone that's well, the first thing that pops into my mind when I find out someone's lost a lot of weight is that is that skin, the loose skin, being there. Because I've seen it on the show. I'm I'm a big fan of the show. As we talked to Doctor Nozarden of my 600 pound life and skin tight. In your experience, the patients that have had tremendous amount of success under your tutelage, do they like to keep pictures of themselves from when they were? their largest or is that they sort of erase that part of their lives well you know they they keep that picture but um, most of them they still see themselves uh, being 600 pounds mm. but they don't see themselves uh, in a current weight really so they yeah. they still even if they've lost all that weight they still feel that big yeah they do you know you have we had a one of the patients, uh, Melissa, she was like 650 pounds. She won't fit uh, coming to the door. Always she had to come sideways. Now she lost uh, her weight and she's down to 180. She's still walking in the door sideways. Oh, wow. That is fascinating, the mentality of it. Uh, I got to ask you about one of the guys from the last season of just the regular My 600-pound life. I think his name was Michael. He was down in the south. But he had those on his legs. It, I mean, it looked those growths. Like, yeah, it looked like barnacles of some sort. How do you know which one I'm talking about, Doctor Nozarden? With the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, how does that happen when you get that big and then you end up having those those growths on the leg? What is that about? Well, you know, when you gain a lot of weight and the body 
uh, put the fat everywhere. And then when the body ran out of trays, most common area that put that weight is in middle Africa, the thigh and lower abdomen. So you develop those fatty masses, life full lymphedema, that they drag down and they're heavy, and then the lymphatic get blocked, and then you get edema on them. Then become a droopy, heavy mass that is going to keep increasing in the size. Will uh, will a patient ever ask for one? Like when you get your tonsils out, they want to take something home with them. Does that <laughs> ever happen? Like uh, something no. for the procedure? No, like a keepsake. No, no. we don't give anything okay. to any patient. Uh, let me let me ask you about what are the, does it ever happen where somebody goes from six hundred pounds? The pr- procedure gets done. They're back down to a, what we would call a normal weight. Do they ever? Do many of them fluctuate and get back up to five hundred, six hundred pounds, doctor? Well, my study showed ninety-five percent of them they do gain weight after five to ten years, hmm. but not at the same rate. Well, you huh? know, like uh, we have people from six hundred pound uh, weight now, ten years after surgery, they're hovering around 380. Wow. See, it yeah. happens. I, that's what, see, I'm winning a lot of these arguments we had earlier, Andrew, with Dr. Nozard. Well, is 380 at that point a success story? I don't think so. It's too big. Well, uh, you know, the, the reality is if they didn't have surgery, probably they'll be dead. Hmm. Uh, but now uh, they're 380 and uh, they're still struggling with their weight. Uh, so this is... Uh, a genetic disorder that uh, we correct with the surgery, but we alter their anatomy and alter some digestive enzyme and hormone that uh, control the weight temporarily. But the size of the stomach is not going to control their disease, and they always um, have that genetic disorder that will come back, and uh, it's beyond their control. Talking to, uh, uh, oh, go ahead, doctor, finish. And, and and right now we're working on a genetic uh, correction of this disorder. We start doing some genetic testing on these people. Some of them are a single gene defect that they have that now we get medication available in the form of injectable. Now we're going to start to correct this uh, genetic disorder with medication combined with a surgery that will enhance our uh, success in long-term result will be much better. Mm. Fascinating. We're talking to Dr. Nozardin of TLC, My 600-Pound Life. What's the name of the book again? You got a new edition out of it? It's going to be the same, uh, Last Chance to Live. Last Chance to Live, Dr. Nozardin. Uh, are, right. are, 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 go ahead. I said we're doing a third show this year. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> You're big time. You're blowing up. Third Not literally. Show. The third show is going to be in a family of uh, three people that, uh, and these three people from Louisiana, they weighed one ton. We, we call it one ton family. And, and one of them is uh, 550 pounds, the other one is 650, the other one is 830 pounds. Jeez. Wow. How, people that weigh that much, what's their diet look like? What are they eating? They eat a, a lot of high-calorie food, and they um, all tell me they don't eat very much, but that's reality the way they are. You know, they eat between six to 10,000 calories a day. 
When someone comes in at 800 pounds, I mean, you have to respect your patient and want to help. But is it tough sometimes when you see someone get that out of control to respect them? Well, it is not the totally lack of discipline and uh, being uh, eating uh, out of control. It's just disease that uh, it's out of their control. Yeah. And the factor that... Uh, and control their metabolism and uh, their eating habits. They're not totally controllable, and they can control it with a diet and exercise. That's why surgery is the only way right now to correct their uh, their metabolic condition. Uh, but uh, we're hoping that the genetic correction and medication that is going to correct their gene is going to be a better way to control this disease. You thinking about retirement soon because you are the guy when it comes to this stuff and people count on you and now you got three television shows. I know you're not, you know, 25 years old. What's your future look like? Well, you know, I never work a day in my life. Why do you want me to retire? Well, but I mean, Dr. Nozardin, it's a lot of those surgeries are very intense. I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, you're in there. I see you with the, you know, you're looking up at the screen and the, uh, you know, room lights on, room lights off, and you got the two things in your hand. I mean, that's very delicate stuff. It's that's work. I never look at it like it is work. Okay. All right, <laughs> fine. You tell me, man. That's a pretty good attitude. Listen, we we're running out of time, unfortunately. So uh, we I'm have... excited for skin tight. I'll just yeah. go on the record and say that right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm into it now. I'm also excited for the one ton family. Uh, that's and when does that start? Well, we started filming on that, but uh, we don't have an air date yet. Okay. But uh, we're working on it. We just uh, started working with the family and get them to change their eating habit and get them to the point that they're going to be safe to have weight loss surgery. So one-ton family, look for that. Skin Tight will start new season in February, and Last Chance to Live the Book, a new edition is out. Dr. Nozarden, one of the most popular doctors in America. Thank you for your time this morning. All right. All right. Thank there, you. There he Bye-bye. goes. Yep, that's probably the last time I'm ever going to talk to him. think I could try to sell that on WFAN. Hey, Boomer, are going to have uh, the gastric bypass surgeon on? I think you should just maintain a relationship with him in some kind of text form or <laughs> just, you know, yeah. randomly kind of hit him up once in a while. <laughs> How's the guy with the barnacle legs doing? <laughs> Uh, All right, coming up next, Ben Roethlisberger says I screwed up, and he told the man sitting next to me that yesterday. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 